It's June 25th. We're reading through the Bible. Our Old Testament reading today is going to be found in Job chapters 4, 5, and 6. And we meet uh, Job's first friend here, quote-unquote friend. I mean, he is a friend, but he's a miserable comforter, as we'll find out, uh, as Job indicts them all, and so does God later in the book. And that's helpful to know that we're going to not only have Job disapprove, but God disapprove of the advice of these three. And it's a reminder that what they're saying here, not every word of it, but a lot of it is not true. It's not what God wants us to think. And the first thing that Eliphaz says here is that, you know, if you're suffering, it's because you're doing something wrong. I mean, there's got to be some sin that you're being punished for. Now, again, you get back to the absolute statements of Scripture that we talked about yesterday, and we know there's none righteous, no, not one. And yet there are people in Scripture that are called righteous. And this is not because we're speaking of their justification or imputed righteousness. This is talking about the fact that they are living because they are right with God in a... Um, relatively better way than other people. They are living righteous lives. They're living, generally speaking, blameless lives, as it said, not only of Job, but the New Testament requirement for leaders in the church, blameless. Doesn't mean there's not blame from God's perspective with the kind of microscope he can bring to our lives, but generally speaking, that he is a righteous man. And so he's not being punished because he's a sinful man, and that's not the point. Uh, of this book, right? This point of the book is there's some other reason that Job doesn't get to be privy to, and here comes the miserable comforter trying to say, well, you know, here is your problem. So we get two chapters of that, Eliphaz's speech, his first speech, and he says these things and uh, recites the fact that everyone basically believed, and I think today many people believe something bad's happened to you, got to be some bad thing in your life. It's not like Job or uh, John 9, when this man born blind, they want to know immediately, well, what happened? If he's born blind, was it that his parents that did something wrong? Or did he do something wrong in some way or was going to do? What, why, why the suffering if um, he hadn't sinned in some specific and grievous way? Uh, Job appeals in chapter 6 and basically says, he admits, if you notice early on in the chapter, in chapter 6, that he spoke rashly, which, of course, in chapter 4, we saw that. Uh, we know, or chapter 3 actually, he, he said, you know, how, um, you know, just the things he said were, were not good. I mean, they were despairing in a, in a way that uh, may be understandable, but, uh, but certainly not reflecting uh, truth. And we'll see more of that throughout this book. But uh, Job is here basically saying, I spoke rashly, but I'm in pain. And that's a good thing. There's a lot of human uh, learning, a lot of wisdom we can get from how to deal with people and their grief in this book. And uh, we know that the way that they dealt with him was not uh, appropriate, wasn't very thoughtful, didn't take into consideration the great pain that he had, and that sometimes we've got to show a lot of grace when there are people in the midst of their pain. Not that we excuse sin, but we certainly want to come in and sometimes just sit silently and extend that silence or bring some kind of perspective that's not going to uh, sit here and try and do the uh, kind of, uh, you know, a correction in the midst of this pain that, uh, you know, we saw these friends doing. So anyway, he basically admits that, hey, Eliphaz, you're not helping. And uh, we find out that God agrees with that at the end of the book. Our New Testament reading is found in Acts chapter 7. This We're continuing here in the middle of this uh, sermon from Stephen. And we've got verses 20 through 43, so we're only in the middle of this chapter. And they're short, but this is the story that... Um, 
Stephen recites of the history of Moses. And um, so you know these stories, but read through it afresh. It's uh, basically a summation of all that we read back there in the book of Exodus, uh, from the calling and the burning bush all the way to the making of the golden calf. And there's an interesting statement at the end of that recounting of the golden calf uh, you might want to take note of, and it kind of hits you there if you're looking for it, and, and it should impress you when it says in verse 42, it's a sad observation, but it says, uh, they turned away from God and God gave them over to do these things that end up corrupting them in so many ways. Um, we see that principle, these people rejecting God, and at some point God's saying, fine, then I'm going to turn away and all my blessings will go with me, at least, you know, relatively speaking in this life, not all of his blessings, but uh, many of them, and uh, I'll turn you over to your stubborn and rebellious hearts. And that's what we see uh, there as a, a good summation of what was going on in the book of Exodus. Our community imperative today, I'm going to go to the book of Romans here and spend some time in the, the practical section of Romans. And so I'm starting in Romans chapter 12 today, and I want you to look at verse number 3. It says, For the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Just the half of that verse is all I want to deal with today. And I want to say it this way. I need you to be honest with yourself about how you compare with others. Be honest with yourself as, as you compare, as to how you compare with others. I think this is good even though we're not dealing with some activity that we're supposed to go out and do today with some of our brothers and sisters in Christ. I want you to reflect on the fact that so often we uh, tend to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to and that we ought to really be humble and recognizing that people are better at a lot of things than we are and we need to get used to saying that, thinking that, and valuing them in a way that we ought to by uh, not inflating our view of ourselves. And that's a humility that undergirds so many things in the Christian life. So there's our community imperative. Be honest with yourself about how you compare with others. We'll be back tomorrow as we continue reading through the Bible.